Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. So it's good to see you all, everyone. Not sure if you were here last week or not, because I'm finding at the moment every week it's a slightly different group, depending on whether you have COVID, living with someone who has COVID, afraid of COVID, or whatever else is going on, because it's a, it's a tricky time. But uh, we have this great God who is um, speaking to us. So just to run through what we're doing at the moment, in case you weren't here, we are spending a month doing foundations. Foundations is getting to the root of what we believe, because uh, what I believe that God is asking us to do is that over the last two years, as you know, no one has to tell you, everything's been shaken. Maybe you've been shaken. Maybe your faith has been shaken. The church has been shaken. A lot of systems and things around the world have been shaken. And I really believe that God is saying to get back to what we actually are all about, to get rid of some of the stuff that we actually didn't need and some of the stuff that we valued more highly than what we do need. And for each one of us, it'll be slightly different for the church as a whole, not just here, but right around the world. It's time for us to refocus on what we're all about. So we're spending a month on foundations and doing that until February 13th and we're going to have a Vision Sunday and we're going to speak into the the vision for this year for our church. And God is rebuilding his church with people like you and me who know he is good and that Jesus is the hope of the world. And so as we go through foundations, I pray, some, some of you may think, well, you know, I've been a Christian a long time and I know my foundations and I think all of us, if we're honest, will find that we don't have it all together. We have to be constantly reminded of who we are in Jesus every day, actually, every day. And so that's what we're doing at the moment. Now, if you read my church email that came out on Friday, I was talking about social cohesion erosion. don't know if you've heard of social cohesion erosion. It's a fascinating thing. According to a new report from the World Economic Forum, What world leaders are most concerned about is social cohesion erosion. Put simply, social cohesion erosion is the crumbling of civil society fractured by divergent forces from within. This is fascinating. You know that we've been through two years of a pandemic, which you might think is the greatest problem that the world is facing, and the economic crisis that goes with it and all the other things that happen. You may remember that other things have happened. You know, two years ago we were facing dreadful bushfires. Does anyone remember that? Because it becomes a dim memory after a time and we suffered a drought. But if anyone's been driving in the country recently, you'll realise there is no drought at the moment. It's all green. Everything changed. And we forget really quickly that a couple of years ago, the biggest problem the Prime Minister had was that he went to Hawaii for a holiday. Little did he know the things that were about to happen that he's had to lead the country through in the last couple of years. And so we're seeing all these problems, people who are losing jobs, and the world leaders are saying there's a much deeper problem than that. It's called social cohesion erosion. And if you go and look up social cohesion erosion, one of the definitions shows that there is a loss of trust in the community that you belong to a group who are there for you. What's happened, it says um, here from, about divergent forces from within. See, when you have forces coming against you from without, generally people pull together. But when you have the divergent forces from within, we polarise and it causes the erosion of our society. And you will have experienced it already. 
In fact, sometimes we think as the church that we are immune to all these things and we're different, but if we're not very careful, we find that we bring what's going on into the world into the church without even realising it and we actually contribute to the erosion of our society. You and I could very well be playing right into the hands of the enemy in destroying the fabric of our society. Have you heard any debates just over the last year about vaccinations, masks, your theory on COVID-19? Have you heard any debates about racial matters, gay rights, economic situations, China, tennis players? Have you heard any debates? Have you actually got worked up and actually been alienated from people because of those debates? Have you actually said things to people or about people? You may not have said it to them, but have you said it about them that have put you in a little group with some people who all agree with you? If so, you are a part of social cohesion erosion. You've contributed to it. It's a bit scary, isn't it? Because you feel so justified. You know, in Galatians 5, it talks about um, the works of the flesh, which is the things that we just do without the Spirit of God and the works of the Spirit, the things we do when we're following the Spirit of God. And the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, are things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and all those things that if you grew up in Sunday school you can sing about because they're in your heart. The works of the flesh, one of them, is called dissensions or in some translations it calls it party spirit and in brackets, I think in the Amplified in brackets, it's saying thinking everyone in my little group is right and everyone else is wrong. You ever been in one of those groups? I've been in them lots of times, you know, where we love each other because we all agree and everyone else, they're wrong. You know, your understanding of vaccinations is right. Whoever you are, whatever side you're on, you're right. Everyone else is wrong. Your understanding of racial tension is right and everyone else is wrong. Why do we do that? It's because I believe that it's an identity issue, that we are not sure of who we really are and so we make our identity about these things and we've got to find a group of people who agree with us. And if we find a group of people who agree with us, we feel like I'm right about things and we like that little group to the exclusion of all others. And Jesus is a very interesting person when it comes into this because he frustrated people because he wouldn't hang out with a group of people who agreed with him. Because his identity was so secure in Christ because he knew who he was. He knew that God loved him. He knew that he lived in the favour of God. He knew his calling. He knew his mission. He knew his purpose. He loved people. Therefore, he didn't try to hang out with the group who said, hey, we think you're the best. His mission was towards people, not to shine a light on him and how right he was, but to shine God's love on other people. Therefore, when he hung out with, as the Scripture says, with tax collectors and sinners, this was confusing and it would be confusing to you and me if you were there as well because we're used to people hanging out with those who agree with them. And so if he's hanging out with those, they think, hang on, is he one of them? Who, who is he? Is he one of, like, we can't work out who he is because he hangs out with such a diverse group of people. Who is he? Because he lived above that system of the world where you divide up by party spirit. And so in a United Nation report about all of this, says there is no evidence that the ethos of a people can be changed according to plan. Now that's the problem. 
Because we, as human beings, love to change things according to plan. But no one's ever developed a plan that will make people like each other. That's the problem. You can have plans to run things really, really well, but the plan does not make people say, oh, yeah, okay, I like that person now. You can have governments like totalitarian governments that control the masses to make them all obey, but that's doing things like welding people into their houses and things like that, but it doesn't make people like each other. So the erosion of society doesn't come from everyone following the rules. It actually comes from a heart change. Here is a little problem. And so welcome the Ministry of Reconciliation. This is your ministry. You know, we talk a lot about what ministry you might have in the church. You might be in a kids' ministry or youth ministry or music or something like that. But actually, whether you volunteer or not, if you've given your life to Christ, you have been given by him the ministry of reconciliation. How's that going? The ministry of reconciliation. In fact, in this time in history, or in any time in history for that matter, There's only one way that people can be reconciled and the erosion of society can be repaired and that's actually through the church because the church is the only group of people who actually get reconciliation. The problem is a lot of the church doesn't always get reconciliation and you can't teach reconciliation unless you understand reconciliation. So you have to experience reconciliation to be able to to teach reconciliation. And it's like this. See, if you watch James up here who's playing the bass guitar before, he's really good. Did anyone notice that? He's really good. And um, we're in the very, very early days of our church. We're trying to get a worship team together and I was part of pulling a worship team together. We needed a bass guitarist and we only had about 40 people in the church. We didn't have a bass guitarist but... I could actually play the guitar and my son Josh could actually play the violin. He was 14 or 15 then. And I thought, well, I'll just buy him a bass guitar. Between the two of us, violin and guitar, we could work out how to play the bass guitar. So we bought a bass guitar. But we discovered that it was a little trickier than we thought. You actually had to experience playing the bass guitar. He plays really well now. You have to experience something really well to be able to bring it to other people and that's what we're looking at today because if we have the ministry of reconciliation and we live in a world where world leaders are worried most about social cohesion erosion and we have the ministry of reconciliation we need to be good at it so training today on um, preparation for your ministry of reconciliation which is happening all the time so let's go to 2 corinthians 5 14 to 18 i'm reading first of all from the niv for christ's love compels us Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you were doubting that that was your ministry, there it is, black and white. God reconciled you to himself and he gave you the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the equipping for this ministry is to be reconciled. You cannot do this if you are not reconciled. And the reconciliation, this word is a translation of a Greek word, katalagos, which means restoration to favour. Restoration to favour. So today, before we get into what your ministry looks like, let's just do a little check on ourselves. Are we living in reconciliation? You might say, yep, I've been following Jesus for a long, long time, so I live in reconciliation. I believe it's something that you actually have to check every day of your life. It's like any relationship that you have. It may start off really well, but after a time there could be a little barrier between you and that person. It could be a family member, a spouse or a parent or a sibling or a child that you were going really, really well and something came in between you and it can happen with you and God. You can say, I'm reconciled, but really a little barrier has has come in between you which can grow to be a big barrier. And so it means restoration to favour. You see, when Adam and Eve first sinned, when they first fell from the glory of God, they stopped trusting and believing him. That was the biggest thing. They stopped trusting and believing him and they listened to other information about him that was incorrect. They stopped trusting and believing him. And when it says that they were removed from his favour or people were removed from his favour, it doesn't mean that he stopped loving them. Probably one of the stories that Jesus told that gets this message across really well is the story of the prodigal son. And if you're unfamiliar with this story, there's two sons and one of them says he wants his inheritance now before his dad has died. And so his dad gives him half of the the property, gives him his inheritance and he goes off and he wastes it. And he gets to the point of eating pig food because he's so desperate because he threw it away. He had the inheritance, he had that favour and he threw it away. But in that time, he never lost the favour of his father. He just moved out of living in that favour. And when he came back, he says, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Just treat me as a servant. And the father says, no way. Come in. Let's have a party. You came back. You were never out of my favour. You you never lost my favour. You just moved out of living in it. And when we don't trust in him, when we want to go our own way, we just move out of it. But the favour is always there and we can come back to it at any time. And so reconciliation means coming back with that heart of repentance that that son had to say, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Treat me as a servant. And God the Father says, come in, you are my beloved child, you are my beloved son or daughter. Come and live in my favour. And even though he wasted all the inheritance, somehow God restored it all to him. The Father restored it all to him. And that's what God does for you and me as well. We often every day waste what we've been given by God, but he keeps bringing us back because we live in his favour. This is reconciliation. Reconciliation comes when you experience the grace of God in your life, that your sins are forgiven, that they are forgotten, that you are a new creation. And you live in the glory of that, knowing the more you are aware of your own sinfulness, the more you appreciate the reconciliation that Jesus has won for you on the cross. And when you come, if you want to know today if there is a barrier between you and God living fully in his favour, here are a few things to consider. Are you angry with God for something? Do you feel like he's let you down? Do you feel hopeless or apathetic? Do you feel bitter? Are you mad with other people? Are you holding things against other people? 
All those things are little symbols, little signs that you might not be living fully in the favour in the reconciliation that's been won for you on the cross. And you can feel very justified in it, but you're missing out on this fullness that has been won for you through Jesus. Is there a battle between you and God and other people? Because that is an indication that you need to move into that first to improve your ministry of reconciliation. Because if you're not living in that reconciliation, the one with God and the one with people will be very hard to bring it to other people. But once you live fully in the favour of God, a new response to life flows from you. You understand the agape love of God. So before we go and do a check on your ministry of reconciliation, let's have a look at what this agape love is all about. You see, C.S. Lewis wrote a great book called The Four Loves where he describes the different four different words for love used in the scriptures. We now in English, we have one word for love and we use it for everything. So we uh, might love a movie, love a song, love dinner, love a house, love a car and love a person and love God all with this one word of love. And so it doesn't really express it because truly you don't love a person as much as you loved your dinner last night. But you say, I really loved that dinner and I really love you. And they mean two totally different things. There's the word filio, which is, means brotherly love. And that love is one that is generally conditional. It's a beautiful love to love people like brothers and sisters, but it's generally conditional because uh, it generally starts because there was a mutual affection and agreement and something that you connected with to begin with. It's great. We all love that. And then it grows as we constantly give and receive from one another. And we love that until you give and you didn't receive. Then there's a problem. And everyone's experienced that. It could be with your parent, your kids, your spouse, your friends, your relatives. It can be people you're really close to. Have you ever had a conversation with someone in your family about someone else in your family? Because that someone else in your family didn't give you what you felt you deserved. Have you ever had a conversation about anyone because that person didn't give you what you deserved? This is what human love is all about. So if I can just paint a little picture, just imagine an arrow and imagine a hook. And there's two types of love. There's more than that, but two that I want to deal with today. And one has a hook. And the hook love says, I will love you because I need this. And truly, we do this to the people we're closest to. If you're married, you can do it to your spouse. If you've got kids, you can do it to your kids. If you've got siblings, you can do it to them. If you've got parents, you can do it to them. If you've got friends, you can do it to them. If you've got leaders in your nation, you do it to them. We love you when you give us what you want. We hate you when you don't. That's the sort of love that human beings live on and that is what causes the erosion of society. Because our love is always conditional. It's conditional on our needs. And the problem is everyone can't see what your needs are, so it's very hard to feel them for you. But then there's this thing called agape, and this is the arrow. And this is the love of God. This this description here says it's unconditional love, the highest form of love, and the love of God for man and man for God. So God's love is like an arrow that shoots straight to you and it has no hook on it. It demands no return. His favour is always there waiting for you, like in the story of the prodigal son, but he is not demanding that you return. His love is to benefit you. His love is because he created you and he wants to see you flourish and he will continue to love like that regardless of how you behave towards him. 
That is the unconditional love of God. He just does it because he is love. He doesn't just know how to love. He is love. If you want to know love, you get to know him because he is love. But this, and I'm quite challenged by this when I read this description, that this purest form of love is the love of God for man and man to God. Now here's this, this is why it's challenging because if God loves you purely, to not to because he needs you to love him, because he loves you and he wants to bless you, your pure response to him is to love him without a hook, just to love him because he has shown his grace and favour to you. And so as he loves you and gives himself for you, all you can do is to love him and give yourself for him without demanding anything in return because you have been given everything in Christ. How good are you at that? I'm not that great. You've ever had a battle with God? You've ever said, I have done this and this and this for you and I get this? Has anyone ever said that or thought it? Had a fleeting thought but you don't want to tell anyone that you thought it? And you feel cheated by God. I've done this and this and this person does this to me and you just let them get away with it. I've served you. I've been in kids' ministry every second Sunday for 50 years and this happens. And we have this sense of self-righteousness and he says, I gave my son for you. It doesn't seem to add up. You think, no, 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 I know you did, but that's, I want something in return. And he's saying, will you just come and love me and know that you live in my favour and trust me? find that very challenging because that is what pure love is all about. And if you want to be good at the ministry of reconciliation, we need to get that in our hearts, that we just come to love him, not for any other reason than that because he is love and he's given everything for us and we trust him. The thing that Adam and Eve missed was to trust him. The thing that children of Israel going through the wilderness met, missed, their greatest sin was to not trust him and to grumble and complain out of everything. That was their greatest sin. And so this is the agape love that we come to know in Christ and that we are filled with and we are transformed with. And Jesus spoke about it when he said in Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said you shall love, this is the agape love, your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love with agape love, your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. If you love like this, you will be representing your father for he makes the sun rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust for if you love those who love you what reward do you have that's simple everyone loves someone who loves them who doesn't love someone who comes up and says i think you're amazing think, oh, i love you of course you do like even think of the worst group that you can think of in the world of people because we all have our categories so maybe think of terrorists they love each other they support each other Okay, everyone can love someone who loves you back. And, but God is saying, be like me. I love those who don't love me back. That's, this is the ministry of reconciliation. Theologian O.C. Quick writes this, if we could imagine the love of one who loves men purely for their own sake and not because of any need or desire of his own, purely desires their good and yet loves them wholly, not for what at this moment they are, but for what he knows he can make of them because he made them, then we should have in our minds some true image of the love of the Father and Creator of mankind. So with that in mind, let's have a look at that passage from 2 Corinthians. Now we're going to look at it in the message translation and just do a little quick check on ourselves as ministers of reconciliation because that's your ministry. 
Interesting, in governments we have ministries, you know, Minister for Health and Minister for Education, Minister for Foreign Affairs, and their role is to make sure that the country is healthy, education is good, and we don't have any problems with other countries. And you have the Ministry of Reconciliation. Let's have a look at what it means and see how you're going with it. So 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 16 to begin with. Our firm decision is to work from this focus centre. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. So first thing, we make a firm decision. You need to make a firm decision because this decision will be tested every day where you choose to have the love of God and the next day you have a really good reason why it's not going to work in this situation. And to do this in the firm decision, you have to realise that everyone is in the same boat, whether they be terrorists or something, I don't know, whatever they might be, we're all in the same boat. Now, when I say that, you think, yes, I know that. But truly, do we know that? Do we know that, that we're actually all in the same boat? Because I don't believe we do. In the depth of our being, I still think we categorise people. And this is a big thing to get for the Ministry of Reconciliation. The people that you know well around the world through history who have been great at this Ministry of Reconciliation got this, that we're all in the same boat. Very important thing to understand that Jesus died for every person because every person was in the same boat. And so therefore we make this firm decision and to make this firm decision we need to come to him every day and make sure that we are totally reconciled to him, living in his favour, enjoying his presence and loving to give ourselves for him. Secondly, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. So they looked at the Messiah and thought, no, we'll judge him. You don't, do it. You don't behave like this. You don't do this. So therefore, you are bad and we'll crucify you. And then he was raised from the dead and ascended on high and sent his Holy Spirit. And they realised, oh, we got it wrong. Now, if they got it wrong with Jesus, who was the Son of God, I dare say that you and I are getting it wrong with the way we evaluate other people. You don't know their intentions, you don't know their thoughts, you don't know their brokenness, you don't know their pain or their hurt. Once when I read a story about a woman who died in a kayaking accident, went to heaven and came back, obviously, because she wrote the story. Yeah, you, you hear stories of people where people say that as they're dying, their, their life flashed before their eyes. The way she described it was every, all the pieces started, as she got closer into the presence of Jesus, all the pieces started to fit into place. And one of her stories was there was a boy who bullied her badly at school and as she saw her, she didn't just see her life, pieces started to fit into place and she saw his life and it made sense what was going on in his life and his heart. And that's something you don't know. You don't know what's going on in people's lives and in people's hearts. Sometimes the very person you live with, you don't know deeply what's going on in their life and their heart. And so just as people looked at the Messiah and judged him so incorrectly and missed it, you and I can be doing exactly the same and we are doing exactly the same. And so we make this decision. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people from a worldly point of view. We love them with the agape love of Christ. And we pray that his Holy Spirit through us will reconcile them to him and to one another. Thirdly, all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him, lest we ever think we are good at this. Let me tell you, we are not good at this. 
We need to understand we're not good at this lest we get puffed up with pride. So I'm really good at this. Until we realise that all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. He showed us the only way to settle relationships, the only way. He took all our sin upon himself, died for our sin, washed them away and remembered them no more. And then he called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, as it says in the NIV, not counting people's sins against them. He's showing us what to do. This is his way. Do you have a ledger of the sins? If I said a name to you, could you quickly tell me all the sins you have against them? The list of things. People you know well, people you don't know well sometimes. People you just know about that you can talk about and count their sins against them. Famous people, we like to talk about them behind their back, not behind the back, People articles are written about them. We talk about their sins and count them up. On um, New Year's Eve, Graham and I were sitting with my sister and her husband and um, he said, let's talk about all the great things that happened in 2021. That was really good because at first we just sat there because there's this longing to talk about the bad things of 2021. He said, no bad things, only good things. And we started to recount them. And in the middle of it, Graham goes, oh, I was healed from cancer. That's right. That was a good thing, wasn't it? That was a really good thing. Yippee. We got a new grandbaby. We started to go through all these great things that happened in 2021 and our spirits started to lift because we've got a lot to hold against 2021. And uh, I heard uh, someone on New Year's Eve, someone on the television, one of the announcers for something saying, and 2021 is nearly over and good riddance. And uh, it made me think, that's how we think, but you know what, God was doing some good things in 2021 and let's recount them. And you know what, in all the people you know, God has got some beautiful things in them because he created them. And uh, how many conversations would you have where you recount the amazing things of different people? Just like we said about 2021, would you sit down and say, let me tell you what I love about this person and start thinking about it because you can get things way out of perspective. And so we're not called to count people's sins against them. We are called to be like Jesus who it says, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. And every day you get to give someone a fresh start, including yourself. One of the reasons that you often don't live in reconciliation with God is you're still beating yourself up for your sins and failures. Give yourself a fresh start today. He's died for them. He's washed them away. He's forgotten them. You just are the one who keeps bringing them back to the surface. God has the ability, and it's really hard to understand how he can have the ability to forget your sins, but he does. And I think I shared before, I was at chapel at St. Philip's recently with myself and my son being interviewed, my son Josh, about our relationship because he's an adult and how did we get to be friends as adults. And one of the questions, and this was in front of middle school, was can you think, tell us some things Josh did wrong when he was a boy? And all the kids go, yeah, we want to hear. And um, I actually sat there and I thought, I can't remember. It was genuine. And I'm sitting there. I've got to think of, some, I've got to think of something because these kids really want to hear something so I can think of something. And honestly, I, had a, I could not think of anything. And I said to Josh, you can tell them something. I'm sure you can remember something, which he could. And he said, that. I was like, oh, that's right. Yes, I remember that. That was frustrating. But the thing was, I couldn't remember. 
And, you know, I liked to talk and I was ready to say something. I just couldn't think of what to say. And when I went home, I felt the Heavenly Father saying to me, and you think I remember all your sins. If you imperfect parent, forget Josh's sins because you just look at him and think he's amazing. How much more do I do that for you? And I want to assure you of that today. You are Some of you are just remembering your sins and the Heavenly Father is saying, I forgot that ages ago. Just live, bask in my love because I've washed it all away. Don't be so hard on yourself. If you brought it to him, he dealt with it and just be so grateful for that. Fourthly, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We are to live as his representative. In other words, we show the world how he operates. And while we are divided about so many different things in the world which comes into the church, we are not getting into the work of making things right. The enemy is distracting us, truly. We're distracted over so, so many things. Some of the ones I've mentioned might not be your distractions. There might, there might be others. But God is saying, is persuading men and women here today to drop your differences and enter into God's work of making things right between people and people and people and people and God and God and you and people and you and God. We are Christ's representatives and you are to live as Christ's representatives, which means that the way you operate reflects the operation of God towards you with his pure love that forgets. And finally, we're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be right with God. Or in the NIV it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are called to live in the righteousness of God which is revealed through agape love for God and for people. That's what you're called to live in. It's a very high calling, but the amazing thing is that even though sometimes you feel like you can't do it, God believes you can. That's amazing. Sometimes I feel like I can't do this. How do I have this pure love for God and this pure love for people? Sometimes it just seems impossible. It's good to get to that point where you realise it's impossible because it means you need his spirit to fill you afresh once again to be overwhelmed with that love that he has for you so that you can have that same selfless love towards him and towards other people. And you delight when you can throw those sins away against other people and just love them with that arrow-like love that is just there for their benefit and not the hook that demands something for you. It's a lifelong journey. You'll never get it perfectly right. You'll spend your whole life doing this and you'll never be bored because there'll always be something new. But as you go through this, you'll be gradually transformed into the likeness of Christ and people will see him in you. And when they say, what do I see in you? And why do you see it? So you say, it's nothing because of me. It's because I have a saviour. He loved me enough to give his life for me so that I could be transformed, that I could be redeemed, that I could not be like I once was. I could be a new creature. And I'm so grateful to him. And you can have the same. That's the ministry of reconciliation that we are called to. So let's pray. Let's just come before this God who loves us with a love that is so great, we just don't get it. We can't reason with it. It doesn't make sense. But it's what we long for. 
So as we come before God this morning, we say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, the very presence of his pure agape love and fill our hearts afresh. If there's a barrier between you and God, ask him to show you. Once you see it, ask him to wash it away, that you're able to fully live in the favour that he's given you through Christ's death and resurrection. Enjoy his favour. As you look at situations which seem too big in your life, remember that you live in his favour. As you think of yourself, do you condemn yourself? Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even repent of condemning yourself because it brings dishonour to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And thank him for washing away your sin. And think of others. Do you have a ledger against anyone? We count their sins against them. Whether it be someone close to you or just someone distant, somewhere in the world, someone that people know of and love to run down. May there be the attitude of Christ in our hearts towards all people. May people see the love of Christ in us. And may we offer the same love to others that he has offered to us. And we thank you, God, that you've called us to be your church with the ministry of reconciliation. And enable us, Lord, we pray, by your spirit to appreciate the reconciling power of the cross every day as we wake up and as we go to sleep and throughout the day and bring that same reconciling power into the world around us that we would stop the erosion of our society and bring people to unity in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. What is it that he said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.